Welcome to the One Player Podcast, the show on Tardis of Board Games. I'm Rose Alpert, and this is episode 327. Stephanie, no disassemble. No disassemble, <laughs> Stephanie. No disassemble. No, number five. Uh, I'm glad Albert and I are the ones in the room who are old enough to appreciate that reference. That, oh, classic movie, yes. <laughs> I watched it again a couple years ago, and... It it held up. It didn't hold up. Uh, no, <laughs> it didn't didn't. hold up. But no, it was still didn't. fun to watch. <laughs> so we are talking about robots today, Albert. That's right. Robots and factories and building things. Robots and factories and building things. Or disassembling them, I guess. I'm not sure. No, reassembling. We're reassembling? We're reassemblers, I mean, yes. There is, there is disassembly occurring. Yeah, but that's pre-game. That's, that happened already, yeah. This is, we're talking about Siberian. Which is the gosh, seventh game? The sixth game? latest game in the Universe series. I don't know the number. Yeah, seventh game in the Universe series, which is so exciting. Last year, uh, when the previous Stellarian came out, we decided to review all of the games in order, up building up to that one. We're not doing that this time. No. <laughs> <laughs> Tempting as that is, we're not going to do that. We're just going to tell you about Siberian and go back and listen to the other six episodes and catch up. So, Albert, how about you tell us... I'll bring off some one foot. Uh, what is this one about? So, so the devious cog has come and destroyed your factory, and all the machines are in disarray, and you need to rebuild it before time runs out, or the factory will stop to produce nightmares or whatever it makes in you know in the universe. And your job is to rebuild the machines to to get the factory going again. That's what this game is about thematically. Mechanics, it is a hand management game in which your hand is laid out on the table. In which your hand is laid out on the table? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You don't you don't actually keep the cards in your hand. They're laid out in front of you already. But it is basically a hand. Interesting. Except that there are three hands. <laughs> yeah, they can be. It's a three-handed game. And that's where the real innovation came in. I thought it was tableau building. I wasn't aware that it's considered hand building. Well, the rule book, not the rule book, the back of the box calls it a, a hand management game. You know, and I could definitely see that. You're, you're trying to figure out which cards to play and whatnot. Could be. I don't know that I would call it tableau building. But let's, let's let listeners decide for themselves. Let's describe the game a little more. Sure. Although I believe that the first thing we normally start with is discussion about the components. So, Albert, mm-hmm. what do you think about the components? I, I enjoyed the components. I liked them a lot. The This game brings, you know, it's, it's an universe game, so it's a small square box, and it is relatively tightly packed. It's got the interesting inserts and the very colorful artwork by Elise Plissies. And mine is gone already. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Really? You didn't need to throw the insert. Oh, because you sleeve your cards. I did they want to sleeve still, the cards. They should fit with sleeves, no? Well, No, it does not fit okay. with sleeves. Okay. Well, so components. So you're going to get a board on this game with this game, a small board, rectangular, so it's folded once. You're going to get this is a board that you keep track of your machine and how fixed it is. So there's five different machines I guess that you're trying to repair and and the machines can each have five levels. So it's used to track that. Besides the board, there's 116 cards. You get uh, a bunch of robot cards. These are the cards for your robots that you're going to use to build the rebuild the machines and fix it. Um, each of the robot cards has a color and a number. There's five different colors and there's five numbers, one through five. So, and there's two of each 
kind. So there's there's a purple one, a purple two, a purple three, a purple four, and a purple five. And then there's another whole set of those same five cards. Same for each other color, each of the other four colors. There is uh, also a battery card, not necessary, but cute, I guess. It's a, it's not necessary. Well, so when you start the game, you have your card face up on the full side. Once you've gone through your deck once, you're going to flip it over. You're going to shuffle your deck discard and make a new deck and flip the battery over to its empty side. If you run out of cards again, your battery's empty. You've lost the game. It feels unnecessary. Or maybe maybe I would have preferred a, a token instead of a card or something. I don't know. But, I but hear that. To me, the card is up. Yeah. But you need to have something to note whether you're on the first run or the second run of the deck. I would argue that it's easy enough to remember that, but yeah. <laughs> you're not the sort it, of person who plays games a little bit and then pauses. No, I don't usually pause because if I pause when I come back, the game is over because my cat found it. Yeah, I don't have cats. <laughs> yeah, so you can pause it. Yeah, okay. May, I mean, maybe it's useful for that. It, you can kind of tell, though. As you, After the first couple games, for sure, you would have a good sense of it, how, how advanced you are. Eh, but, maybe. But anyway. Yeah, so, so that is there. It is appreciated, even if I don't like it too much. Um, besides that, there's a bunch of machine cards. They come in levels 1, 2, or 3. These are the machine pieces that you're trying to repair to you, to fix your, your factory machines. And the level ones are easier to fix. Level two harder. Level three are way harder. There, what else is it? There's tokens, right? There's a bunch of tokens in this game. There's some small failsafe tokens, which buy you a free round, sort of. There's um, some support tokens, which you start the game with one, and these are used also to to help adjust difficulty. If you're finding the game hard, start with more. If you find it easy, start with fewer. They basically give you a free bonus action one time during the game. Hmm. We'll talk about uh, that more during gameplay. Yep. And there's also a bunch of expansion tokens and expansion cards and whatnot used in in the game. And finally, there is the Cog Meeple, or actually five Meeples in this case. Um, All the Universe games have a big, funky, weird Meeple. This one has five little pieces that are wedge shapes that form a big gear when you combine them in a circle, which is pretty cool. And not necessary because you never actually do it in the game, and yet it, it really makes it so much neater, I think. I, I mean, you do need to have some meeples. The meeples are used yes. to track yes, how yes. high up you have powered up your machines, which is strange that you're using the evil meeples to track how far you, as the good guy, have advanced. But we'll set yeah. aside that slight <laughs> thematic dissonance. That, that is a little the, weird. In most of the other games, the meep, not, and not I think it's even 100% consistent, but generally the, the meeples... Are used to track something bad. Yeah. And, and and here, here, I mean, it's representing how much damage it's done, and you're pushing them back, I guess, as you're repairing the machine. You could look at it that way. But it, it does, I agree with you. It does feel a little awkward at first, for sure. Yeah. It, that's the way it's supposed to be, but I didn't. I, I don't understand that. But yeah, they they have some thematic ability. To me, it's a distance point. But if it if the alternative would have meant that we had to use cubes, I'm perfectly happy to go with it this oh, yeah. way because the cogs are are adorable little tokens <laughs> they are and the fact that you can combine all of them to make a, a, a what looks like a a gear is really neat that that is a really neat effect very yeah. very clever design i, like, I, I like the idea that it sort of invokes of the idea of this big giant cog rolling on in and then as it like enters the factory it sort of just pops apart into its various <laughs> pieces and they spread around just running havoc and mayhem and the idea that comes 
the components are telling a story and I like the st- story that it tells. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you, you mentioned you threw your inside away, but I do like the, this one, the flaps that open up the, the design of it. It looks like a machine with all these gears and lines and stuff. And it feels so chaotic and it, it feels like it's bound to, to fall apart and explode. The design of that insert makes me think I'm in a very crazy factory. And, and I think, I think it does a nice job of setting up the theme for me there. But uh, that is all the components, I believe. Did I leave anything out, Julius? Uh, well, they're mentioning the cards. I want to dig into this a little bit. More. Okay. So there's various different types of cards. There's the robot cards. All of the robot cards have their model and their size. The model is going to determine all sorts of different things. Uh, it's sort of like the suit. And the size is sort of like the number. Now, the, the number of it really doesn't matter for a whole lot of things other than repairing. But the model matters about what card power it has that's associated with it. The different cards are all very distinct in showing you their model, less distinct about showing you their size. In order to determine its model, the whole color of the card is very clear about what its model is. In order to determine its size, the only way you practically can tell is you have to look at the top right corner to be able to determine its size. So since, in my opinion, one is a little bit more primary than the other, I think they made a good emphasis on that. But it did sort of devolve into just looking into that corner to be able to figure out what type it is rather than having it be clearly denoted in the art or in a larger icon anywhere else. Um, There are, as with many of these Oniverse games... There's expansion components, which mm-hmm. include various different cards and tokens. Um, so, and Albert, do you want to discuss those now? Um, we could we could get to them later. I, I do okay. want to say one thing about the... You're right about the numbers. You really got to read the number to see what the value is. But the I don't know if you've noticed, the art in the card, you could look at it and count how many of whatever it is for that picture... Sure, that there are, but they're they're all very different in style and and not always easy to count. So it's not really functional, <laughs> right? It it is a different card art, but it's not different enough that you can look at it and go, oh yeah, that's the five or the one. Yeah, you'd, you'd have to like the yellow five. You have to sit there and count how many things are in the robot set, and you say one, two. Th- okay, there are five on this one. That's a five. Yeah, but <laughs> but yeah, it's not it's not functional. You, you really use the number one hundred percent. <laughs> yeah let, then let's save the expansions for later we could go through those uh, sure there's basically more cards and more tokens for each expansion which is pretty expected for an universe type game it's, sure how do you feel that the theme held up for you albert generally for the universe games i feel the theme is pretty light and i'd say it held up to that standard quite well yeah it's it's light. i mean it, it does kind of feel like i'm does it feel like i'm fixing machines no, it feels like I'm playing a game. <laughs> no, I, I think I think it feels like you have machines that require very specific things to interact with them. And mm-hmm. you're assigned, fix this machine with this thing, and you have to go find them. And everything is a mess. Like It, it feels to me like the chaos of war has taken on. Stuff is blowing up everywhere, and you have to fix it. So... I don't know. It actually felt really. It felt more thematic to me than a number of the other Oniverse games. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I, I didn't get that coming across at all. Personally, it's, okay. you know, it's an Oniverse game, and I think if if you've played some before and you have a sense of their theme, I think this is 
on par with those, you know, give or take. Eh, maybe. Maybe better. Maybe, okay. You know, the thing is, the theme is so abstract already, right? That it's such uh, a fanciful world that it's hard to say, oh, yeah, this this is what that would feel like. <laughs> like, if, if you're playing, I don't know, say, a war game or, or a game about building a castle or something, all these kinds of games, you kind of, oh, that, that, yeah, that's what that would be like because that, that makes sense. But this is, yeah, just kind of nonsensical in a way with a cog. My experience when cog attack factories, it doesn't work like this. It works a little differently. See, that statement made no sense. Sure. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Uh, the rules. Oh, the rules. Okay. So this is an Oniverse game, and I think the rules are on par with those. Generally, this this game is on par with all the Oniverse games I found. So everything that you find true for most of those games, you can find similarly here. The rules are clear. They're well written. They're, it's written in an instructional form where the first games are going to be kind of simple, and then as you add expansions, you can add complexity. The The last three pages are the rules reference, which it, it's handy. To, it's in there in the back, but I guess it's annoying that there's three pages, but it, it was needed. Right, the very last page, like I think, shows you what some of the different symbols on the machine cards mean, and then the two pages before describe what each of the robot suits can do when you when you use them to to use their special powers. Yeah, to yeah. And I I wish in terms of the rules again, I think the rules are explained clear enough. I wish it was maybe a touch more clear about what those abilities would do you do have the reference on the actual deck on the not the deck on the um track on the board where Mm -hmm. the devious cogs are going about what it is that each one of them do but for example like the cyclobot is one that it's easy to miss if it's coming from on the deck or to the platform essentially into the deck in your hand and so i mean some of them are hard to miss and so you have to to a certain degree take a fine-toothed comb and understand what the difference between some of these individual levels are. It's a little bit tedious to learn the rules. Once you get it, it's fine, but you have to be careful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've, I've definitely messed that rule up, especially with the cyclobots, for example. I will um, say the rule that I keep messing up during setup is that when you begin the game, you have to start by discarding the first five cards. Mm-hmm. Keep messing up that I have forgotten to do that many times, which I guess makes the game a little bit easier because many times it comes down to last card. And if I didn't shuffle in five, I, end, I had five more oh, than yeah. I would have otherwise. So, yeah. So it has won me the game more than once. The Yeah, I, did, I didn't find the rules too bad. The And like I said, yeah, those robots, it tells you, like, if, if you don't understand the image, you could go to the back of the book, open to the inside back page, and... In those two page spread there, it'll tell you what it does, and it's spelled out in words, so it's it's clear enough that way. But yeah, it's, it's, you kind of got to go dig for it. So gameplay, yeah, okay. So the gameplay. So this is a hand managed game. Game we said right. Let's let's talk about how you're going to set it up. For well, I didn't say that. You said oh, that. Oh well, yeah, <laughs> putting words in your mouth, aren't I? So so here, let's set up the game. First thing you're going to do is you're going to get the board out. You're going to put the five cogs on it all the way to the left. There's five rows, one cog in each row, and then there's five columns. Each column tells you the level... The level of ability that the suit can trigger. Yes, and how, and how repaired the machine is, 
right? So once it goes out of the end, it's fully repaired. That's the idea. You can set up the board. No. Yeah. When you say the machine, no. What do you mean? The the factory. The robots. The well, so the the factory is represented by the machine deck. I think. (laughs) I think that the factory is represented by the board, and there's five machines, and you're as you're repairing. There's five simple machines. Well, there's a bunch of little machines. Albert, there's one big machine. it's literally labeled the machine deck. The splay from the cars from the machine deck is literally labeled as the factory. Okay, so you know what? This is this is where the theme just falls apart for me. The mainframe board. Okay, so it's the mainframe board. The board, in my mind, the board is represented the different machines you're fixing. But this is the mainframe. As you fix no. the machine, you're, it says it right here. So I know it is, but I'm board. saying that the mainframe board represents the robots themselves, that the robots have been messed with, and this is representing how well you're repairing their abilities so that they can then go repair the factory. You know, we, we may be arguing nonsense and just adding confusion, so let's just move on. There's a board, Fine. and it's got space to show how, how much you have repaired things. For the and, record, I'm right. Yeah, we'll go with it. I, I am, I am except, uh, you know what? I could accept that I make mistakes once in a while. I, I am okay with it. I am comfortable <laughs> with that, actually. <laughs> once in a while. Uh. <laughs> so some of us can't. Others can't. But I am okay with that. The, the, uh, you're going to lay out the board. You're going to put the five cogs on it at level one. You're going to shuffle all the machine cards. You're going you're gonna to shuffle the twos. I mentioned that they were numbered one, two, and three. You're not going to use three at all. Not at the beginning. You're going to shuffle all the twos together and put them on on your deck. Then you're going to shuffle the ones and put them on top. Then you're going to draw the top five of those ones and lay them out below the mainframe. These are the first five machines that you you have available to start fixing. Then you're going to shuffle your robot deck, draw five and discard them. Let's not forget to do that this time. Then we will draw the next five and lay them out across below the machines but with another extra row in the middle because you're eventually going to have four total rows. And so far we filled the top row and the third row. The second and fourth are empty. Uh, you're going to set up some tokens on the side. You're going to have um, the fail-safe tokens. I think you have a pool of five of them available. Six. You're going to take one of those six and and collect it already and put it by your deck of mach- of uh, robot parts. And you're and then you're also going to take your one... Um, what is that other piece called? The support token, right? Which gives you a free card action at any point without having to spend any cards. And you're going to draw one randomly of the five. There's one in each of the colors of the robots. And and you're ready to start playing. Your goal each turn is to, to fix one machine part. You have to fix a machine part each turn of the game or you lose. You know, flat out. There, there's no ifs, ands, or buts. Except for the couple of things that let you change that around a little bit, of course. But the way you fix a machine is each of the machines tells you who needs to fix it, which robots can fix that machine. And for the level one machines, there are generally two criteria. One robot has to be of a... It all depends. It might say you need two robots of number two or or size two, or you need two yellow robots or or, or some combination like that. It's always two of the same, if I remember correctly. So now when you start your turn... You're going to look at the robots you have in your hand, those five cards, and, you know, there's five machines out there. If there's two yellows and a, ro- a machine that says you need two yellows to fix it and you have two yellow cards, you could say, ha, I could fix that machine. You could discard your two yellow cards and then take that machine card and set it aside to your discard pile and you have now fixed that machine. 
You could keep going and fix more machines this turn if you have more cards that you can fix, more machines you can fix. If not, you end the turn, you shift all your... Well, you don't have to shift your cards. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. But you fill in the gaps of the of the cards you discarded from the machine row and your hand, in the hand row. And then you play the next turn. And again, keep doing this each turn building a machine. That's basically the simplest form of the game. There's a few other things you could do in your turn, right? But that's that's the basic actions. The other thing, you, and what I told you was the repair machine action. The other thing you could do is you could trigger a machine. Well, actually, let's talk about the upgrade first. You could upgrade a machine. Those machines that you have, it's called upgrade the machine, or is it called upgrade the mainframe, whatever it's called. Um, those machines that you have repaired and you now have set aside in a discard pile, you could discard one to upgrade your mainframe one level on any of the five tracks. The five tracks being different colors corresponding to robot colors. So let's say I want to I want to repair the or upgrade the yellow track. I could discard my one machine that I had built out of the game completely, gone forever, and move the cog up one space on my yellow track. What that does for me is now, as an action, I could discard a yellow card from my hand and use the yellow card action. In this case, the yellow card action lets me move, draw a card and place it on the second row, the one that had been empty all this time. And now I have an extra card to use. The other machines do different things. As I upgrade it to higher levels, I could do more I could do more of the same action. Um, for example, if I upgrade the yellow mainframe robot to, to level two, well, first of all, the cost to re, to upgrade it is actually the current level. So before it was only one, now that it's at level two, I gotta discard two card, two fixed machines. If I want to get from level three to level four, I gotta discard four machines and then or three machines. And then to go from level four to level five, I'd have to discard four machines. The if I have upgraded the yellow robot to level three from level one and two, I now when I when I discard one yellow, I could draw three cards and put them on that top row. So so the actions are more powerful. That that was all three actions I could do, right? I believe so. Fix a machine, upgrade a main upgrade the mainframe, or or use one of the machines, or use the mainframe, whatever to or robot to do something to take an action. There's a couple other things I didn't mention there that are sort of important. That top row of cards that I that we added from the yellow, from uh, discarding the yellow robot. At the end of the turn, you always have to discard all those cards. If there's any cards in that top row, and they go, they get out. So using those yellow cards to put cards up there is great. You say, oh, I'm gonna get it up to five, so I could always have five cards up there. Great. Well, if you do that and you don't use them, that's a shame. You just lost a bunch of cards. Fortunately, there is a different robot that will let you move those down to the fourth row. The fourth row sort of functions like the, f- the third row, the second row is, a, is an extra hand, but this one you never have to discard. It could just sit there unspent forever. Do you want to tell them about the other actions? or No, go on. Basically, they all manipulate your hand or the deck and, and just give you more options to, to manage things. What gets tricky is that you still have to build uh, or repair a machine, so you still have to discard two cards at least. As, as you go up in level, it gets harder. So you still got to discard two cards and then hopefully have cards you could use for those actions. Or maybe you do it in a different order. Whatever. That is basically the game. You're going to keep playing until you have repaired all the machines, all the level 1 and level 2 machines in their deck. With that summary of the gameplay, I want to make a couple of comments on it. The game does give you the option 
to fix multiple machines every round. If you fail to fix at least one machine every round, essentially that, that consumes one of your lives, which are your fail-safe tokens. If you run out of lives and you have and you don't fix a machine, then you lose the game. You can, as mentioned, you can fix multiple machines every in, in a single round before checking to see if you fixed any. I I found immediately that that, that seems like it strange rule there's no reason why you would ever want to do that it seems very advantageous unless you have a whole bunch of stuff in the flash it seems advantageous that you would only ever want to fix one machine every time because then you get the free card refresh to your hand the platform to be able to use those to fix machines because otherwise you're just it may be that you do another one next round you're like hey that one that i fixed last round suddenly I have none that I can fix at this point in time. And if you've just gone a bit slower, you'd be able to fix it and you would have lost a life. So I don't know why that rule exists or even <laughs> as anything more than just a, hey, it's an option, but like our recommendation is don't ever do it because it's silly. Like it seems such an obvious thing to do. Do you agree with that, Albert? That's actually Julius's recommendation, not my recommendation. I have often built multiple ones in a, in a turn um, because... Because the, the more I build, the more cards are taken out of my hand, so I get a, more cards back. Um, and I get more variety. But if you just go one at a time, you won't get in trouble if you get a card in your hand and are stuck without anything to do. I have, You know, I, I've never really found it to be problematic. Honest, honestly, there's often enough choices that it's fine. And it doesn't, I, especially at the beginning, um, you don't have a whole lot of control over what's going on. So the first part of the game, especially, you're just only able to build one thing most of the time and, you know, you go with it. Or there's enough variety in the cards that it's never really an issue. As you start building up your, your mainframe and you start having actions, now you're able to, like, maybe have not just five cards in a single turn, but maybe eight or ten or something even, right? potentially, right? So suddenly you're able to do a lot more in, in the turn. And in that case, why not? And I find it, especially like with the yellow robots, right? When I when I use one and add cards at the top, well, now those cards in the top, I better use them or I'm going to lose them anyway. So so if I can use them to build them, yeah. I will. Um, but but my point being... Or to put them into the stock. Yeah, right, if I could do that. Uh, but, but you have to do something. My point being, though, that at first you don't have a lot of choice. As the game progresses and you're not being able to do more things and manipulate more things with your mainframe, um, it becomes easier to manage what's out there and and build a or repair a machine without a problem. So in those cases, I don't mind doing two at a time. It has worked out fine for me. I have not found it problematic. Let me make one more comment then. Let me see if you agree with this one. Um, it feels to me like some of the robots are more powerful than other robots, or at least I very rarely take their effects. So the command bot, which is the one where you prep a machine, you can discard four robots to make it so you have to spend one robot less to be able to fix it. As you mentioned, this game often comes down to like the last robot. You need them all to fix everything that you have and to do everything that you need. So discarding a bunch of robots to fix it feels very wasteful to me. And I find myself very rarely ever using the command bot. So if I'm stuck with just the ability to use the command bot... I will very rarely do it. Mm -hmm. Similarly, if the support token comes up and it's the command bot support token, I, usually I'm like, oh, well, then now, now I'm set a bit farther behind because I have a worse ability on tap. 
You know, I agree with you. I, I, I'm guessing that it's perfectly fine. I'm sure this game was play tested like crazy, and they tried all sorts of strategies, and it worked out. But that robot, it feels so expensive, like you said, to discard because you you have to play the red robot to do that, and then discard four more. So you're getting rid of five cards to reduce the cost of something by one. That seems insane. <laughs> so I won't do it. Or I may say, okay, well, I want to raise the red track, but I really don't want to use it until I get it to level four or five. Because when I'm at level five, I think I only have to discard one other card. So discard two and then, and then prep it. Um, but, but spending all those machines to upgrade that that high and not use the ability is wasteful when I could instead be upgrading other machines. So it is, it is really hard. I find it really hard to use it too. It, it is not something that I'm comfortable with. It's a very much a leap of faith. It might yeah. be a great strategy. I haven't tried it <laughs> and I haven't needed to try it. Yeah. The That being said, I, I played yesterday and I managed to win the game only because I was able to prep at the very end and discard four cards because I needed another purple and, oh, there were no more purple left in my deck. They're all my trash. <laughs> I so. suppose that can be. I think it's also sometimes where there's one plan where you have to have two matching ones. Mm-hmm. And then if you plan that one, then you have to have one matching one. And that's really easy yep. to do. So yeah. that that can be also time. But it's rarer. Yeah. An- another one that's funny to me, the Cyclobot. The Cyclobot lets you pull either a Cyclobot. Like at its lowest power, you pull a Cyclobot from the discard pile and put it on top of the deck. So you use it. And you get another Cyclobot, and it goes onto the deck, so you don't even get it next time. It doesn't feel useful to me until much later on, and then only to fix other Cyclobot machines. So later on, where I can pull one and put it actually in the platform so it's immediately available, Mm -hmm. when I need it to fix Cyclobot issues, then it's useful. But otherwise, it feels a lot less useful to be able to fix a lot of stuff yeah that that one is tricky it isn't i don't find it too bad in combination with other robots right the the green robot lets you draw a card so basic so i'll, I'll use the purple robot to to get a card from my discard and put it on my deck and then use the green robot to take it in and you know that that's not a great strategy because again i'm using two whole cards just to do that to get the one card out and it's a little expensive but it, it works on those turns when there isn't anything else you could do when you're like man i'm about to lose my game if I don't fix a machine. Well, I'll spend five cards if I have to in that case, I guess, to, to not lose the game. But but yeah, it, it I agree. There, there's certain favorites that I have. I I love the Cyclobots at level, at least at level three. The green ones I don't use too much and the yellow ones I use a lot. Yeah, the yellow ones I use a lot. The blue ones I use more. The green ones are next and then purple and then red is how frequently I use yeah, them. I would love the red one if I could start at level five, but... <laughs> That's not gonna happen. I'd say that's true. Yeah, about well, that's fair. Yeah. So, so yeah, I hadn't talked about the failsafe tokens, but yeah. So you discard one. If if you didn't build, fix any machines, you're gonna lose the game. But if you have a failsafe token, you could discard it, and that saves you for that round. But you still next round, you no longer have your failsafe token. Now you still gotta fix a machine. So hopefully you did something. There's one rule that people seem to miss a lot. That I've seen on the forums that you could actually discard a card when you're at level one and not gain any benefits, right? So occasionally you're playing yes. the game and you may get in a situation where I need to fill five, fix five machines and I don't have absolutely anything in my hand for those five machines. Well, you can actually just discard those five cards and play them for the mainframe at level one where there is no benefit whatsoever. You do nothing. I'll upset discard the card. So that will get it out 
of the way. And that is something you can do. And that that is not super clear, though. If you look in the reference, it is there at the back of the book. But it seems like a lot of people have missed that rule. I mean, I think the reason why you miss it is because usually if that happens to you, you're already on your back foot and it's probably better just yeah. to shuffle and occasionally I've, I've had cases where i wanted to discard one or two cards but yeah you're right it's it if if, if it gets to that you're already in trouble often i i, I feel that the game just should have had a moment <laughs> <laughs> somebody suggested a pretty nice variant actually they said uh at the beginning because because what happens occasionally you could at your first hand you could draw cards and you find there's nothing you could do at the very beginning um you can't build anything all you could do is discard cards well that's terrible somebody suggested Instead of drawing five and discarding them, draw ten, choose which go to the discard and which go to your hand, and start that way. It makes oh. it a little bit easier, and and you pretty much take care of that issue, except for the most extremely rare cases, I guess. Yeah, the only time it's happened to me, I just simply mm-hmm. went again. I was like, yeah. I deal, deal five yeah. more. I mean, I, I've played games of Lord of the Rings like that, where like I draw my hand, and certain scenarios are so hard that if I didn't have very specific cards in my hand from the beginning with the cards I owned, then I knew I was going to lose. So I would say, okay, well, I just played a game and lost. Let me shuffle and do it again. And I, I would call that two or three games, depending on how many times I had to shuffle to get the right card. Um, I, <laughs> I didn't mention it either before, but those fail-safe tokens, you can get more. You start with one, but you can get more. If you progress a, a, the mainframe all the way to level five in any of the five colors, when you do that, you get a mainframe token. And each time you do that, you will get... So potentially you could have a bunch of fail-safe tokens. Stop it. Let's talk about some of these expansions. Okay, yeah. Expansions. Uh, it's an universe game. There's a bunch of them. There's five yes. in this case? It's five, yeah. I think my favorite is the first so one, the baby bots. Because they're baby bots. That is so funny. <laughs> the whole idea of the baby bots just cracks me up. To summarize how the baby bots work, is there's now going to be five additional baby bot cards. And on your turn, you can make a baby bot if you have robots that equal five in their values you can shuffle those and a baby bot back into the deck when the baby bot comes back up you get a free level up which is really nice and your goal is to make sure that all the baby bots have been made by the end of the game if you fail to make the baby bots then you lose Mm -hmm. the game and and yeah they they they, they're interesting they're they seem like they're great and and fantastic and all that but can be tricky to time it right because now you have to you have to discard two cards to be able to do, or not discard because you put them into your deck, but you have to use two cards from your hand to do that. And you still have to build a machine that turn or repair a machine that turn. So if you, if you know, you, it's not that easy to do both at the same time. And you want to, and then sometimes you're like, oh, but I want to do this thing and that thing. And you start getting closely in the game. You say, ooh, I haven't made all five baby bots yet. I'm, I'm in trouble. <laughs> and, and you need two specific cards or two, you know, two matching cards in a single color. So you got to have, if you're going for the green baby bot, you got to have a green one and a green four or a green two and a green three. And that's what it's going to take to make a baby bot, a green baby bot. I have two that I really enjoy. So I'm going to talk about both of those. The first one that I really enjoy, perhaps the most, is the multi-bots one. Um, and humorously, the reason why I enjoyed it is because of what it does for the bad one. Most of these, as with many in the Oniverse game, it gives you something to make you better and gives the game something to make it worse. So it gives you these multi-bots. And so the multi-bots are, they're multi-bots. They have multiple things on them. So for instance, it can be any size or any type. And you can use those to fix machines. They're much more versatile to be able to fix things. So you're less stuck with some of the random draw. What you have to do for the bad part is it adds some extra stage three cards 
So first you want the stage two machine cards, the stage one machine cards, and so those are easily fixed. And the stage two, slightly harder. And then afterwards you have to throw in, in this one, you have to throw in stage three cards. And so the stage three cards are even harder, even more difficult to be able to have everything happen. Um, you do get an additional life when you're doing this, but really it's those multibots that are designed to help smooth over things so that when you get to the stage three, you have enough cards available to be able to get through them. I don't, it, it's, it's difficult to do because that's 10 extra cards. Often with these, it's, it's usually like four cards, I think, for, for each one of these four robots to be able to do that. So it's only 10, and that's like an extra 40 that you need. Oof. That sounds hard. That that's this is the kind of expansion I haven't played it yet. It's it's actually twenty, okay. I guess, because you get to use the multibots twice. No, so true. yeah, I guess it's twenty. It stresses me out thinking of that. <laughs> those those level three cards, I, I'm scared of them. Honestly, that's what it is. Yeah. I, I, if you enjoy a little bit more difficult, or you think the game ends too fast, um, this one doesn't. I felt without it, the the game ended. A little bit too early, I did find myself like, ooh, I wanna I wanna move on to the next level. And this is very much for me, this is the next level. This is this is adding another another level of difficulty, and I enjoyed this one. I liked the multibots. The next one I want to talk about was the microbots. So with the microbots, you get a bunch of microbot tokens. Since the microbot tokens are all either in size or suit. And so when you put out a car, when you put out a machine that you have to repair, you'll also put out a microbot on it. And to begin with, the microbots is an extra requirement that you have to do. If you're lucky and the requirement matches something that's already on the card, then it whiffs and it's no big deal. If it doesn't match something that's on it, then you also need to fulfill whatever the extra microbots requirement is. Once you gain the microbots and once you fix the machine, you gain the microbot. And then you can use the microbots to fix stuff. Perhaps the most useful one is spend five microbots to just fix a machine. Um, you could spend three to, to swap another microbot to make one easier, or spend one to just discard a microbot and swap it with another one. But to me, the five microbots for a free fix is a really useful benefit. Mm -hmm. Um, especially on the later ones when you can use those microbots tied in with a level two or even a level three. Ooh, isn't those <laughs> Yeah. And, and just to clear, clear, make it clear what he means by the uh, extra requirements. So if, if I have to repair a machine that requires two number threes and in the microbot token that I drew and put on there, and, and these are being put on randomly, I don't know what's coming up necessarily until I place it. Maybe it says, oh, I got to do a, a five. Well, I have to discard the two threes, but now I also have to discard a five. So that's that's three cards instead of two to fix that machine. On the other hand, if it said two three, the the, the two the requirement for the machine is two threes, and the microbot is yellow. Well, a yellow three will suffice both of the requirements. So I just need any three and a yellow three. So I only need two cards. So sometimes it could be easier. And also, what happened is that it's not that it's easier; it's more restrictive in that case. But what mm -hmm. can also happen is that, say, it requires the machine requires two threes, and the microbot you reveal is a three. That's even well. Best. In that case, it has absolutely no effect; it just yep. whiffs. Yep. So that that's the best scenario. Um, and so, and that's why sometimes you may want to use a single microbot to discard a microbot on the machine, and and hopefully draw something better or maybe discard three to trade two that are out there to turn two hard machines into two simple machines. 
you know, and and those are the temptations. Yep. You're like, well, I really want to save these and get five and just repair a machine outright. But boy, I could really, I could really swap those two, and that would really help me a lot. <laughs> that that makes it yeah, interesting. I really liked this one. I in fact bought another bag to hold the microbots, an opaque bag, a cloth bag to hold the tokens to be able to shuffle those easily during the game. I, I think that one's this one's really nice. Mm-hmm. I enjoy that one too. Gigantibot, I liked less. Go ahead and tell us a bit about that one then, Albert. That that one so that one so now there's also structural damage um on the in your factory. When the cogs attack they just started knocking down support beams and stuff, whatever your factory's taking damage. And there's I think five or six structural damage tokens or much bigger tokens in the game. When you finish the you need to repair all that structural damage before the end of the game. The way you repair structural damage is using these gigantibots. There's ten cards and you're going to start the game, and they're going to be set to the side, but they're in play already. There's five cards, one in each color, and five cards, one in each number. And these are the bots, these big bots are the ones that can actually fix structural damage. That's what it takes, a really big robot. The way to run these really big bots is with little bots. They're standard-sized bots. It takes six standard-sized bots to run one gigantibot. The way you do this is on your turn, you could choose to discard, or, well, not really discard, Play two of the cards from your your hand to the Gigantibot. You draw two cards. How does it work? That share one symbol in common? So it could be two yellow. They have to share anything in common. So either the same number or the same color. And and then play them on one of the Gigantibots. Each one of those on a Gigantibot that it matches. So let's say um, I did two yellows. I could play them both on the the yellow Gigantibot. Or maybe I want to put them on the numbers and play one on the two because it's a, a yellow two. And the other on the four because it's a yellow four however I want to do it. These are going to stay on these Gigantibots until you have completely manned one with six regular robots, six cards from your tableaus, from from your decks. And at that point, the Gigantibot goes into action and repairs either repairs one of those uh, damage tokens or structural damage tokens or gets you, I think it's two fail-safe tokens. Your choice what you do. And then the six robots that were used to power it and that get shuffled back into your deck so you get them back you, you set them aside for a while but you get them back eventually that's how they work at the end of the game you have to either remove all your structural damage or be able to pay it off you could re you could repair one at the end of the game by spending three failsafe tokens problem with that is there's only so many failsafe tokens in the way in the in the game so you can't for example like store up 15 failsafe tokens and then use all of them to repair the structural damage at the end if you lose, if you don't have a structural damage removed over the course of the game, removing it at the end of the game costs yes, three failsafe tokens. That is what I'll say. Okay. And that, so that's what I'm saying. That is expensive. You can't just try and save them up at the end and remove them that way. That doesn't really work. Um, yeah. Max, you can have is one not removed. So, yeah, that, that, that one's a little bit tricky, too. I find it a little challenging. Uh, yeah, I think this one, this one doesn't have... It feels close to the baby bots and that it's an extra requirement now you have to go through the game. And it's an extra requirement that, as mentioned, it, it is beneficial to do and to interact with because if you can clear all 10, it doesn't cost you anything. You just have to make sure you clear all 10. Starting, trying, and failing costs you. If you succeed, it doesn't cost you. Mm-hmm. So I like the gameplay idea of it, but it's not as cute as the baby <laughs> no, bots. Gigantic bots are not so cute. <laughs> the problem... Yeah, the problem is is that they're not cute enough. It's not adorable. <laughs> there's no, there's not enough draw for this one other than just the idea of it. 
and the idea of it, I suppose, just wasn't as neat as some of the other expansions. But once it's there, it's fine. It's it's fine to play with. It doesn't detract. It adds. It don't, I don't suppose that really adds. It's just another thing. It adds complexity for a game that, when once you're adding in expansions, can generally use the extra complexity. Mm-hmm. But it's just not. It's not neat like some of these other ones. Yep. The yeah. And it it's it's a tricky one too because you could um you could be setting some of your robots aside on the on the Gigantobots, and you're gonna get them back right. So it's like no loss. But if if you time it poorly and you shuffle your deck back in before you've used the Gigantobot, those cards are only going to be used once effectively instead of twice, right? So, so you, you need to be extra careful with that. It definitely adds complexity to that, to the game, which could be a good thing, right? If, if Eventually, the game may get too simple for you. You, know, you may want to add more complexity. But there you go. That'll do it. So I'm surprised that Albert picked to do the Gigantobots before the final expansion, the Devious Cog. And I'm not sure if it's because Albert likes Devious Cog more than this one or not, because Gigantobots is my least favorite, but maybe only a little bit above Devious Cog. The Devious Cog expansion works that there's these interference tokens that happen. When you trigger an ability the first time for each level, you'll reveal one of these interference tokens. If the interference tokens... So And this is only the first time, because once it's there, it's discarded. But if there's an interference token currently under the cog for that one, you'll reveal it, and instead of doing what you want it to do, it does whatever the interference token says. So it, essentially, at random, it's going to change the suit of your card's ability to something else. And there's no control over it. You, you don't know what it is, so it could be that that cyclobot that you're trying to do all of a sudden... Instead of cycling in your deck, it's going to plan and, and you, it's going to discard four cards so that you make one e- level easier, that one that we really don't like. And, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's chaotic. Uh, it is chaotic. The reason why I place it above Gigantobots is because at one point in time, for me, I want a little bit of chaos in my life. I want to be challenged a bit to have to do different things. So, like, as mentioned, I have a preference for the cards that I want to play. Nothing else amongst the expansions forces me to sort of deviate from what I want to do. I want to not very often use... It's not even a plan bot. It's a red bot. It's a command bot. I very often don't want to use a command bot. With this, I now have to use a command bot. So, at one point in time, I'm just going to hit it. And so that means that I have to deal with it. And so that sort of stretches and expands my ability to work with the game. And hopefully will let me discover a couple new strategies to be able to play the game better. So I like something that forces me to stretch outside of my normal wheelhouse. And so for that, I give it I give it due credit. Even though it's entirely random, <laughs> it adds so much more unpredictability to the game. It takes away all of the reliability, all of the... the the dependability that you have from those cards that turns it into a game of a whole bunch more randomness. But I can tolerate that if it's going to make me be a better game, <laughs> be a better player of this game. Yeah. Now it does balance that with just giving you an extra fail safe token from the beginning of the game. So now you start with two instead of one. And that, that is how they made it easier, which doesn't seem like much, but you know, you could, you could always choose also to just at the beginning, just go ahead and use the, the mainframe at level one where it's not going to get any, effect and just discard a card to reveal the token 
So that that is an option. And you could do that and take off some of that chaos. But I, I haven't tried it yet either. I haven't gotten this far, but I like the idea of it a lot. It sounds interesting. Managing the... I like it. It's called... What is it? The, it there's interference in the game. The the cog introduced some interference yes. and all the lines are crossed and unpredictable. And just thematically, I think that's so cool. Yes. So, Albert, have you got any final thoughts? I, I like this game a lot. I think it's... It's not my yes. favorite Oniverse game necessarily, but it's definitely up there in the top three, I would say. Maybe maybe top four, but I think top three. I don't know how to rank it, but I do really enjoy it. I think that it's another strong entry into the Oniverse line. It's got that it's it's again taking a more simple mechanic, as mentioned, I guess, hand mm-hmm. management. Um but playing through that, managing that managing your hand, it's got tight, it's tense. I, yeah, I I very much enjoy it. I think it's a really good entry in the game. I think it's really fun. Yeah, I yeah, I, li- I like it a lot. I've been playing on my phone. Um, I installed a solitaire card game, which is the one where you have all the cards laid out face up, and you now need to play the cards up to the top in numeric order, and you can move cards around and stack, and you're choosing which order to reveal the cards in as you play. This game reminds you a lot of that. It's at first it's not at first it's very predictable what's going on. As you start playing and you have more abilities and you've built up your machines a little bit so you can take extra actions and, and manipulate the, the the tableau in front of you, the game now, you start thinking about, okay, well, should I do this first? Or maybe instead of doing that, I could do this. Oh, Julius just dropped a book in his toe. Or you, you get to you get to plan on which order to do things to accomplish things the best. And it reminds me a lot of that spider's holiday that I've been playing. And it is, it is just really fun. It's very much like a, a brain puzzle to, to figure out your best move. And I find that very, very satisfying. Yeah, I've really enjoyed this game a lot. Can't wait for the next one already. <laughs> oh, Timion. That's the final one. No, well, no, no. Next is probably Urbion, actually. Uh, Urbion doesn't count. It's Urbion great, doesn't exist. It will soon enough. I can't wait to play with more expansions. Oh, Timion is the next one. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm, either way, I'm looking forward to all of them. That, that will be fun. neat. And with that, I'm afraid we have to say... Five alive! (laughs) All right, then uh, then let's shut the lights off in this factory. Go home. Have a good night, everyone. Thanks for listening. We love feedback, so we love hearing from you. You can reach me at julius at oneplayerpodcast.com or jlbird on BGG. And Albert can be reached at albert at oneplayerpodcast.com or fractaloon on BGG. Our website is oneplayerpodcast.com with the number one, and we're also on Twitter at oneplayerpodcast. The intro music is copyright Angus, can be found at gemendo.com. The transition music is copyright by Dan Elduce Pancaldi, whose page is at donpancaldi.com. The One Player Podcast is protected under a Creative Commons share-alike license. Thanks for listening.